This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. And you can be sure that when the Lord said, verse 21, that his voice changed and he was quick to finish up that dismal description with that final statement, and be raised again the third day. That part was just not spoken with a sorrowful, dismal tone. From that time forth, verse 21, from that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how he must go unto Jerusalem. He begins to show to his disciples how. And this one side begins to show, that's an important word, how. He begins to show unto his disciples how he must go on to Jerusalem. Because when he describes how, there's two sides of that how. One side of that how is he showing them how of what will happen to him, how he's going to be suffer many things, how he's going to be killed. But the way he so quickly added in that last statement and be raised again the third day, he's showing them another side of the how. Another how, how he will be able to endure it. How is he going to do it? And when the Lord said how, it was going to be in verse 21, he's going to go to Jerusalem, suffer many things of his enemies, and then be killed. His sorrow is set before him. But when the Lord said that how, in verse 21, he'd be raised again the third day, the Lord has set joy in front of him. He sees his own resurrection from the dead, and he sees joy. It's the joy of himself being raised from the dead. Never experienced that before. Himself being raised the dead on the third day. And this has enabled him to endure the sufferings and looking down on the shame that he's going to endure in verse 21 and just say, shame, I despise you. And this is his secret. This is his secret for enduring the suffering of many things. It's the joy of the resurrection that is set before him. And this is when we look at Jesus, this is what we see in Hebrews 12, 2. Hebrews 12, 2. Looking unto Jesus, 
the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, set down at the right hand of the throne of God. So he has brought that joy of resurrection into his sight, and it's the same joy of resurrection he's already brought to others. He brought it to Jairus' daughter. He brought it to that boy, the young boy in the coffin. He brought it to Lazarus, and he was so happy to raise them from dead. And he's gonna, and he'll bring that joy of the resurrection to all of his followers, and he'll be so happy to raise them out of death. And now it's his turn. It's his turn to experience the greatest, what do they say about Disneyland, the happiest place on earth? This is the greatest ride in the universe, the resurrection. It's going to be a joy that's set before him. He can hardly wait. He can't wait. It's the joy of experiencing the resurrection that is set before him that's enabling him to endure the sufferings that he's talked about in verse 21. You know, we can endure a lot if we have something wonderful to look forward to afterwards. He endured the cross because he had something to look forward to afterwards, the joy of the resurrection. And that's why he so quickly added in verse 21, be killed and be raised again the third day. His own resurrection was only part of the joy. His own resurrection was only part of the joy that was set before him that enabled him to endure the sufferings. There were many other things. Another joy, Hebrews 2, 9 and 10. Hebrews 2, 9 and 10. We see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man, for it became him for whom were all things and by whom were all things in bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. So there's two joys in these verses of Hebrews 2, 9 and 10. First, there is the joy of being crowned with glory and honor. Forever he will, after this, be seen and known in heaven as Revelation 5, 6, Revelation 5, 6. I beheld and lo, in the midst of the throne of the four beasts, in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain. God has never, ever, ever been known as a lamb that was slain for the sins of men. This is the first, first time. And this is a joy for him to be crowned with the glory and honor of becoming God the lamb that was slain. And forever he's going to be seen in heaven as God the lamb that was slain. Forever he's going to be glorified and honored in heaven by all the saved as they point to him and say, he's the lamb of God. He's God the lamb who took away my sins. That's going to be a joy for him for eternity. Forever the saved in heaven will see him and say, he's the reason I'm here. He's the reason I'm in heaven because he is my lamb, died for my sins. That's going to be a joy for him for eternity to have that, to be crowned with that glory and honor of God, the Lamb of God, who took away the sin of the world, took away sins. So that's the first joy that's before him in Hebrews 9 to Hebrews 2, 9 and 10, to be crowned with the glory and the honor of being the Lamb of God who took sin away. And that joy of being crowned with the honor and glory of God the Lamb slain enabled him to endure the cross of verse 21. And so there's a second joy in Hebrews 2, 9 through 10. Hebrews 2, 9 through 10. The second joy is bringing many sons unto glory. That's a particular joy for him. Imagine a cave, a mine, a shaft collapses, and there's trapped miners down there. And the rescuers 
worked diligently, and they free up the escape route. And that first rescuer who goes down there, imagine how joyful that is for that first rescuer. That's who he is. He is bringing many sons to glory. His followers have already seen him in a humiliation. They're going to see him in a suffering. And when that happens, he's going to be the first one to go down to the mine shaft and bring out those miners. And in John 17, 24, he said, John 17, 24, he prayed to the Father, Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. He wants so much to bring him out of the mine shaft into glory so they can see his glory. He wants to show them his glory. He's excited to show them heaven. It reminds me of my wife, Cheryl, just before she died. And she said to me these words. She said, you know, all my life, I've lived a sheltered life in Ohio there, sheltered life. And she said to me, but you went over to Europe and Switzerland and all these places, and you knew so much more about the world than I did, she said. And you were always showing me things that I didn't know. And she said, and that frustrated me. She didn't like that. And so she said, now I'm going to heaven before you so that when you come to heaven, I can show you things you didn't know. <laughs> and that's a joy that's set before the Lord in bringing many sons to glory so that he can show them things in heaven. And that joy of being able to show his disciples his glory was a joy that has set before him that enabled him to endure the cross. Verse 21, when the Lord talked about going to heaven before them, he positioned himself as, a, as an architect, as in a construction architect and builder. And, you know, um, if you build a, not a track house, if you build a custom house, the architect will sit down with, well, the White House, Loretto, was Donna's house, we call it Donna's house. Because Donna sat down with Evo, the architect, and Evo explains that it was very painful because she was very particular. But anyway, they sat down and said, well, what do you like? We'll do this. What do you like? We'll do that. And do you like this? No? Okay, we'll change that. And so the good architect that Evo is um, gets to understand who the person is, what they like and don't like, and then the house gets made just the way she had to have a gray water system for the casita and the other one. And so there's a gray water system and it's not built right. But anyway, it's just there. Anyway, and everything was just, he said, there was a time when he sat with her for three hours deciding the position of one window. He said, it was just perfect the way she wanted it. Then her husband got a transfer of a job. She never lived in it and sold it to us. But anyway, um, the point is the house was made just the way she wanted it. This is Christ. He knows each one of our personalities. And with the knowledge of our personalities, he is going to make for each one of us a custom-made mansion. He said in John 14, 3, John 14, 3, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am there, you may be also. There's so much you to the personality of the people, the individual personalities, that he's going to make a place custom-made perfect. And what do you think is going to happen in heaven when we get to heaven? You think he's going to say, oh, John, oh, yeah, okay, your house is at 238 Hallelujah Street. So you just go down two blocks down Redemption Boulevard, and you'll find it and make the turn, and here's your keys, and you'll find your house there. You think he's going to do that? Are you kidding? No way. He's taking a lot of time to think about what, 
John would want is going to be the perfect mansion for John. And so he's taking the time to design that perfect house for John. He's not just going to tell him, go find your house. Here's your keys. He's going to take John to that house he's designed, built for him, gets the front door. He's going to tell John, cover your eyes. You know, like they do on the television. Cover your eyes, lead him in there, and a big surprise. And that's the joy that he's going to have to show that the mansion he's prepared for each one. To show the mansion that he's prepared for each one is a joy that he's set before him and it's enabled him to endure the cross. So what it says in Hebrews 2.10, Hebrews 2.10, that he became, it goes on in that verse to say that he's going to bring many sons to glory and it says he's going to, that he could be the captain of their salvation, the captain of their salvation. A captain is a person who goes before who leads. This was how David was known as. He was the one who went in the battle first. As a matter of fact, it got so dangerous for him. His uh, commander said, don't go out anymore with us. It's too dangerous. You're going out in front. But good captains go first. They don't sit in the back. They're like, happened so often in World War II. You guys go there. No, but they were right out there in front. And that means, when it says that he was the captain of salvation, it means that by his death and resurrection, he went first. He went first. That's what's meant in 1 Corinthians 15, 20. 1 Corinthians 15, 20. Now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. See, he was the first. We're the harvest. We're the ones who follow, but he was the first. See, because in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, a trail was blazed that had never gone on before. You know, President Thomas Jefferson wanted so much for there to be a trail blazed to the Pacific Ocean that he searched out and found the perfect persons named Lewis and Clark. And he, he commissioned them to go from St. Louis to the Pacific Ocean and they should blaze a trail and they did it. And they reached the Pacific, Oregon, Washington area. Very tough for Lewis and Clark. You read their diaries, it's just like, oh, wow, they almost lost their lives. So many times from Indians that wanted to kill them, wanted to take things from them, wild animals, starvation, sickness, they lost people. But they continued on, and as they pressed on, they made very detailed maps, very detailed maps. You can see them, very detailed maps, because they knew they were blazing a trail for the first time that Others were going to follow. They knew that they were not the last ones to go on this trail. They knew they were blazing the trail. It was the joy that Lewis and Clark had set before them that they were the pioneers blazing a trail that others would follow that caused them to endure. Well, when Christ spoke in verse 21 of himself being raised again the third day, he was like Lewis and Clark blazing a trail from death to life. Not that St. Louis is death, but anyways, from death to life that others would follow, and not only would others follow Christ in the trail that he was blazing, but he would do something that Lewis and Clark didn't do. He would be the guide. He would be the guide that would take everybody across that trail. And that's why it's meant, that's what it meant when it says in Hebrews 2.10, bringing many sons to glory, not sending many sons to glory, not pushing many sons to glory, but bringing them himself, bringing many sons to glory. And that was a joy, the joy that he set before him, the joy of blazing a trail from death to life that others were going to follow and he would be the guide and he's going to bring many sons to glory. That was a joy that enabled him to endure 
um, verse 21, to endure the many things. And then, of course, there would be questions in heaven. Of course, there's going to be questions in heaven. You imagine somebody comes into this beautiful house and that's been made for them. And they say, oh, this is so wonderful. This is so wonderful. How long do I get to live in this mansion? I mean, how long do I get to live in heaven? And it will be his joy to use a word. And the word is author. Author in Hebrews 5.8. Hebrews 5.8. Though he were a son, 5.8.9. Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. It will be his joy, he said, forever because I am the author of something new. I'm the author of eternal salvation, eternal salvation. So he's going to, he'll say, he said, you can stay here forever because I'm the author of eternal salvation. For him to be able to answer that question because he suffered, that's a joy that's set before him that enables him to suffer many things at the hands of all of his enemies. And then there's going to be the joy that he will have accomplished the impossible. The impossible, which means he'll be able to answer the question, how can I be justified from all my sins? The enlightened soul knows how deep the stain is of his sins and how impossible it is to wash it out with some good works, a whole bunch of good works. The enlightened soul knows that knows what the answer to the question that was asked Jesus is. In Matthew 19, 16, Matthew 19, 16, behold, one came and said unto him, good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? The answer to that question is nothing. You cannot, the stain runs too deep. There's nothing. Now, we all know that when it comes to our sins, God says in Isaiah 118, Isaiah 118, your sins be a scarlet. Isaiah 118, Isaiah 118 says, they be red like crimson. When crimson stains a garment, you are never gonna get that out. And those stains of the soul go so way down too deep to be able to be washed away with any good works. But he endures the many things that he's suffering in verse 21. And he set those things before him. The joy that he set before him is that his blood will wash those stains out. Revelation 1.5, Revelation 1.5, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. So he endures these things because he knows his blood is going to be able to wash the sins away and that is a joy for him, and that's what he puts in front of him. And then he also knows about his blood. 1 Peter 1.18, 1 Peter 1.18, you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without spot. So it's Christ's joy that he set before him to have the payment. A ransom has been found, it's his blood, and that's joyful. And then it's joyful for him to step in with a new role, a role that he has, which is a Hebrews 3.26 role, Hebrews 3.26. The, the role and the title that will be so joyful for him that he sees himself getting is Romans 3.26, the justifier. He's going to become the justifier. The devil is the terminator, but Christ is the justifier. Hebrews 4.5, Hebrews 4.5. Him that justifieth. 
For Christ to become the justifier is a joy that's set before him, and there's only one way he could become the justifier, and the only way that he could be the justifier is Isaiah 53.11, Isaiah 53.11. With the travail of his soul that God will be satisfied with, by his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Jesus will become the justifier, and that's joyful for him, when he suffers the load of our iniquities. And he sets his joy of becoming the justifier before him and enables him to endure all these things in verse 21. But the greatest joy, these are not the greatest joy, the greatest joy that he has set before him is this. He had a charge from God the Father. And that charge was that he should become the son. Psalm 2, thou art my son, this day have I begotten there. There was a day when he, the second person in the Godhead, became the son. And the son, the charge that God the Father gave him as the son is that he would be sent. That's a very important word to get a hold of. Sent into the world to save the world from their sins. Sent is the essence of the word Messiah. John 3.16 is a Messiah verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, he gave him, sent him, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The whole concept of Messiah is built around this word sent. He was always conscious that he was sent into the world. As the Father sent me, so send I you. As Father sent me, so send I you. I am the Messiah sent. I want you to be little messiahs. As followers of Christ, we are little messiahs sent into the world to do the will of God. As the Father has sent me, so send I you. He accepted to do the will of God, the will of the Father, go into the world, and his response was to the charge from God the Father. Will you be my son? Will you be sent into the world? And his response is Psalm 40, verse 7. Psalm 40, verse 7. Then said I, lo, I come. In the volume of the book, it's written of me. I delight to do thy will, O my God, yea, thy laws within my heart. And as followers of Christ, our greatest victory over ourselves, over ourselves, is when we accept to do the will of God over and against our will. And he obeyed the Father's will. John 4, 34, John 4, 34. Jesus saith unto them, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. And our greatest moment is when we obey God. That's our finest moment. The greatest joy he has, therefore, in life, the greatest joy, is to receive the reward of pleasing God the Father. Now, there's a verse that he spoke that we always think, oh, that applies to us. No, applies to him also in Matthew 25, 21. Matthew 25, 21. His Lord, and think of this as God the Father, his Lord said unto him, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I have, thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. We always think that verse is applying to us in our lives, but it applies to Christ. He's talking about himself when he says this, because he was the good and faithful servant that obeyed the Father. And the joy of thy Lord is the joy of hearing the Lord be so happy that he says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. That was the greatest joy that the Lord Jesus set before him to be able to hear of the Father say, well done, thou good and faithful servant that caused him to endure all these many things. It's all these joys are set before him. The joy of personally experiencing the resurrection from the dead. 
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.